Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of business, and lessons learned. Boy, can override the worries and depression. Here are your Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. All right, everybody. Happy Friday. It is Friday, March 15th at 1 p.m. Hello, Carmen. Hello. Happy Friday to all our uh, listeners. We're excited. We have sunshine here in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. And and I want to say I missed last week. Uh, last week's was, show was amazing, Carmen. Uh, just the fact that it was International Women's Day. The fact that you're a woman founder, a woman veteran, a minority woman owner founder, who was interviewing a woman veteran, a woman founder, like a From West minority, Point, a graduate and of an West Army. Point, yeah, it was the quintessential International Women's Day show, and I couldn't have been more proud to be able to listen to that show. It was thank so cool. You, thank I'm sad you. I missed it, but I think even me being there would have made that not so special. So uh, <laughs> it was it was an amazing show. You did a great job. Thank you. I so, appreciate that. Yeah, so we are, uh, if you are unfamiliar with the show, welcome. Uh, every week we bring in these amazing veteran founders like we did last week with Mrs. Tepto, and, uh, and we talk about their business. We talk about their service to the country and then sort of what they've learned. And so we are really excited to uh, to bring in Scott Painter from Bird's Eye Aerial Drones. He's going to tell us a little more about that. But first, welcome to the program, sir. Welcome, Scott. Happy Fridays. Super excited to be on the program. And we actually have sun down in San Diego also. Oh, stop. <laughs> I'd be surprised if you wouldn't. Yeah. No, I yeah. mean, you know, I, I will say that sometimes when I go to San Diego, you guys get that sort of uh, fog and the overcast and stuff. But uh, you're, you're going to find no sympathy from us here in the Pacific Northwest. After two weeks ago, we dealt with snow. So, Yes. But welcome to the show. Either way, we're really excited you're here. You're a fellow Navy vet. I'm a Navy vet. Uh, we'll we'll berate uh, Carmen for being an Army vet, but that's later. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about you, Scott. We want to get to know you. You enlisted in the Navy at age 17. What was the sort of idea behind doing that? Uh, early on, you know, I've always loved aircraft. And, you know, my family... At first, said, why would you join the Navy to work around with aircraft? And little do they did they know that you know the majority of our aircraft that puts warhead on foreheads are directly from the aircraft carriers that are out there in the fleet making things happen. So early on, um, I, I had the opportunity to to join the Navy, and I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. So about the first year and a half. Um, I just, uh, I was on top of an aircraft carrier putting chalks and chains on aircraft that were moving around on the flight deck. And I just didn't like that. It was a little too hard work for me. So I ended up becoming an in-flight engineer. And I love technology. I, I loved aircrafts. And that's, uh, that's kind of what kind of started it all. So, Scott, uh, where where did that happen? I mean, where were you? What state were you in? In high school, for uh, the last four years of high school, I moved out of L.A. to 
uh, Germantown, Tennessee. Oh, and wow. That's where, that's where yeah, I, I met my wife, and that's where I enlisted from the military. And the Navy ended up shipping me right back out to the West Coast to San Diego, where I started <laughs> my naval career in San Diego in 1987. Nice. Not a bad place to go. I got stationed in Pascagoula, Mississippi, so... <laughs> and, and is it really true that you were 17? I was 17 when I signed up, yeah. Really? Yeah, you can, you guys 17 just, and a half. Yeah, wow. I, I had to have my mom sign a permission slip, but you can do it. Oh, wow. And, you know, that story just came up yesterday, speaking of age, I uh, ended up getting a motorcycle license at the age of 14 and a half, because 15 is when you could get your actual your, your driver's license. So back in those mid-states, all kinds of things, interesting things happen at an early age, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, you had graduated, I, I assume, at 17 and then went into the Navy at 17. What was that experience like for you going through boot camp at such a young age? Because I know for me, it was a really eye-opening experience. Absolutely. And when you, when you go into boot camp, <laughs> it is, if, if you're rebellious and you don't like to take direction and you're a Burger King and and you want to do everything your own way, uh, it's just not going to happen. And uh, and it was an extreme challenge because, you know, there's some things that, uh, that weren't really clicking on in boot camp, so I had to you know, uh, spend an extra week in boot camp. Oh, wow. I'm not sure exactly where that comes from. Don't let that click it. <laughs> You, see, you spend, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, boot camp uh, for me, so when I went in, I was 17 as well, and I went to the Great Lakes, Illinois boot camp uh, in the dead of winter, wow. which I don't recommend anybody do. It, it's really horrible. But for me, it was just interesting to see different people from different backgrounds and different experiences all coming into one place mm-hmm. and, and going through something that's so traumatic where in boot camp, they're breaking you down to build you the way they want you to operate. And so there's this melting pot of, of backgrounds and, and experiences uh, all sort of congregating into one. And I remember there was this one guy that was from Arkansas who had never left Arkansas, never saw white people before. And so it's just those kind of things that really make boot camp so special and at a young age I think is really interesting. So I was really cu- curious to get your, your take on it. You brought up a good point how the Navy or how, you know, uh, armed forces kind of break you down and then build you back up the kind of the way that they want you to. And and that was a a little bit of a cultural shock being in an area that had not only many different nationalities and um, different people, but, you know, when you mentioned you went through Great Lakes, I uh, went through Orlando and there was also sister companies that, um, that were there and you know I kind of walked out of it as a different person and being able to learn from different people's background and their heritages and their cultures and it kind of opened my eyes as well and uh, it, yeah it opened my eyes so after you left boot camp you went to San Diego what, uh, what kind of ships were you on? You said carriers. So, how many carriers were you on? Were you just on one, or what? What happened after that? Uh, uh, when I got to San Diego, w- w- being naval aviation, we are assigned to squadrons with about ten aircraft per squadron that are attached to aircraft carriers. And here in San Diego is one of the main 
uh, hubs for aircraft carriers. And the first carrier that I actually was uh, made a Westpac deployment was the USS Constellation CV-64 back in 1988. That was the first nice. one. And and about uh, about 24 years later, I've been on about eight different aircraft carriers with about four years of time. Wow. So you were in for how long? Tw- uh, 20 years? Uh, almost 24. It was 23, 23 in a few months. Wow. Okay. So are you still in then, Scott? No, I, uh, well, since I retired from the Navy, I've already spent three years in Afghanistan with unmanned systems with Lockheed Martin, and that was five years ago. So yeah. When I retired in 2011. Wow. That's really mm-hmm. good. So talk about, talk about that transition for you then. How, how hard was it for you to spend so much time in the military and then transition out into the civilian world? Because some folks struggle with it, right? I, I, we've talked to a few people right. where it's, it's a little struggle after you've spent a lot of time uh, in the military to, to go into civilian life. Absolutely. The, the Navy has come a long way that I've seen over the years to really pour back into the service members by giving them a transitional uh, program, a process to transition into the civilian world. world. And, and they've come a long way and put a lot of emphasis on that. And I had the opportunity to go through one of the, uh, the TAP classes that kind of led me up, you know, helped build up the resume, how to dress. You're right, because we wore the same uniform for 24 years, the same haircut, the same shoes, the mm-hmm. same everything. Mm-hmm. And, and then getting out in the world, it was, it was a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. Culture shock. Yeah, well, I mean, part of it too is yeah, you know, when you when you're talking to a veteran, and we brought this up on our show before. Right. The first question you ask a veteran is how long were you in, but it's also the same question you ask a felon who's been in prison, mm-hmm. right? How long were you in? So, <laughs> Never but those, thought about the, it that there's, way. there's those parallels where you get the three hots in a cot. Somebody makes your decisions for you. Your schedule is pretty much set. How do you function after you've you've done that? So I'm I'm glad to hear I got out in '97 and it was a horrible experience now, but I wasn't in for very long. Uh, so I'm glad that they they fixed that process. So you get out of the military. What what's your first step? Like, what do you do first? You mean as an individual, me? What I did yeah. first? Yeah, yeah. What okay. was the first thing you did? I took two months off. I didn't have to PT three times a week anymore. <laughs> I actually ate some great meals. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Got a lot it. of sleep. <laughs> And the, two, the two months didn't last very long, and um, an opportunity came up where I actually went to work for the Marine Corps here in San Diego, writing curriculum. Nice. So it was interesting getting out of the Navy and then going to work for the Marine Corps. How hard was that? It was a great opportunity. It was a great experience. What were you doing uh, with the Marine Corps? The Marine Corps Corps down in the San Diego area, Camp Pendleton Base, has the floating tanks, the uh, aqua or the uh, AAV vehicles. They're called tracks where they're tanks on land and then you roll right into the water and they're floating boats. And uh, and that was the curriculum that that we wrote to train the trainers as instructors. We actually, we were writing the curriculum for the instructors to teach the other instructors to teach teachers. But that's what that was. And nice. um, that was 
that was uh, that was about the first six months after I got out. That didn't last very long because it was a contract. Sure. Yeah, that's interesting. So, but what did that teach you? Like, what did your time in the military teach you about how to operate as a contractor for the Marines for six months? Like, did you take anything out of the military to that to that job itself? I as as a curriculum developer, as an instructor, as a a, a train the trainer that's what my skills and expertise that i brought to the marines for that particular time okay nice that's awesome and so you so you brought that what what was next after that like you you do this contract did you just do more contract work after that, that that's what your question was exactly yeah well that's that, that's a great question because right after the contract was done with the marines I went and applied for General Atomics. General Atomics is a, another uh, the, the ones that who build the Reapers and the Predators and the big unmanned systems down here in San Diego, also. Nice. And it, and it didn't go well because I didn't get the job. But what their feedback was for me specifically was that I wasn't aware or I didn't know enough about contracts. So you know, it's funny you ask that. And I, I didn't have any background experience dealing with contracts at all. And even with the contract from the military, you know, that just came into my lap. Sure. I didn't really understand contracts at that time. Nice. But that's a whole new story now. Yeah, well, well, then we'll take a break real quick. We're talking to Scott Painter. He's the founder and CEO of Bird's Eye Aerial Drones. We'll be right back after this message. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. And we're back with Scott Painter from Bird's Eye Aerial Drones. He was about to tell us about his next foray with, I believe it was Lockheed Martin, right? For with the unmanned systems. It, it was. My next opportunity came about in, uh, in 2012 after I left the Navy. I went to Lockheed Martin with unmanned systems and went to Afghanistan for about three years. Nice. So tell us more about that. It sounds like this. There's this whole amazing story. I'm, I'm on my. I'm. I'm on the edge of my seat here, Scott. Yes, we are. <laughs> so, so we're working with Lockheed Martin. Okay, we're. We've already done the shock and awe. We put the warheads on foreheads. We're, we've got the carriers out there in the Gulf, and and uh, the Gulf Wars pass, and during freedoms pass, and we still got tons of troops in Afghanistan, and we finally got Iraq and Saddam, and now we're in Afghanistan. And um, what the particular platform that I worked with with Lockheed Martin in unmanned systems, the ISR, the Intelligence Surveillance and Reconnaissance was it's, it's an aerostat it's a helium filled big huge blimp that if you can get an idea it's about 120 feet long filled with helium so it just floats in the sky and it's tethered by you know a real strong tether system that keeps it up in the air sure. and when we put the the aerostat up you know, in the air, 3,000, 7,000 feet, we've got a couple of cameras on there that are millions of dollars a piece that can see 35 
clicks 35 miles away and you can kind of see what's going on and and that i mean even being able to wrap your mind around being able to see 10 miles but being able to see we could actually see 60 miles whoa but it was it was grainy sure but but you could see the next city that was 60 clicks out wow their, their airport their lights at night and things of that nature so with the eye in the sky our job was to protect and our soldiers that were on the ground the boots on the ground the guys that are kicking in the doors the guys that are down there making things happen and making and keeping us safe we're overwatching them we're letting them know where to go where to turn what's in front of them what's behind them so so with that the eye in the sky they relied on us heavily sure big time yeah i'd imagine and we we always had to be squared away have our a game have our eyes open keep them in in, an eye out everywhere just to keep those guys safe as long as possible we once they went out the gate eyes on once they came in back in the gate then we've got another set going out interesting so do you have any stories on how you actually got to help them out uh you know in in dangerous situation um oh give me a second here i mean just a good story I think every time that they came back into the gate was a good story. We did yeah. lose a lot of soldiers, and we did lose, uh, but we eradicated and eliminated the hostiles every opportunity, every opportunity that we had. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, n- nothing real right now really comes out, sticks out that uh, I, I have a good story that we got sure. home safely. But this experience, then you were able to tap into it to start your own company, correct? Yeah. So, so opening my eyes to the unmanned world out there in Afghanistan, and and there's a lot to the big picture, and and I, I started to see the drones coming around that were quadcopters, that were personal, that were small, that were. Uh, that you could fly yourself in about 2013, and that's when we were kind of putting them together. And and um, and, and and while I was in Afghanistan, I was working 12 hours on, 12 hours off, 365 days a year. And the 12 hours off did give me a little bit of downtime. So, yeah, I, I purchased some parts from the states, had them shipped out, build my own small drone, my own quadcopter. I, 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 we want to be careful with drone because you know it, sometimes it puts a negative connotation with the military with putting warheads on the foreheads. But did you know that drone actually is an acronym that stands for something? And what is that? I've never heard that before. D R O N E, dynamic remotely operated navigational equipment. That makes so much sense. And the fact that we have an acronym for it is just so military, right? Like yeah. that's <laughs> dynamic remotely operated uh, navigational equipment. Oh, okay, that's awesome. got it. Well, there's an acronym for Marines too. I don't think they like it. <laughs> See, Scott knows what I'm talking about because he worked with Marines. That's awesome. Uh, we won't have to say it here. It's fine. Don't. We'll, we'll move on. We already know what the Navy one is. You know what the Navy one is, Carmen? 
I don't. Never again volunteer yourself. Oh, That's right. Okay. See? See, Scott knows. I learned something today. <laughs> I learned so, a few things. <laughs> so, Scott, so you, you're doing this unmanned uh, aerial, we'll call it unmanned aerial systems for, for Lockheed Martin. Um, what do you think helped you in that process or with that experience that set you up for your for your next endeavor 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 i could talk watch mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know what, what really sticks out most is being able to be in an environment that we're working together that we're relying on each other and and being able to build teams that's one thing that really sticks out that i brought away um I'm trying to think how I can relate to my own business. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think one one of the things that um, one one of the things that I think is is interesting about this is that you were already in the uh, we'll just call it drone. We're, you were already in the drone yeah. space, mm-hmm. and so transitioning into creating a drone business wasn't entirely a, a huge stretch, right? Like if you did a drone business and then you went out and you started a, you know, McDonald's franchise, that'd be a, a wildly different story. But you were doing drones already for Lockheed, one of the biggest companies on the planet, and then you transitioned over to doing it yourself. So I guess what I'm what I'm I guess what I'm looking for is the experience that you had working with somebody like Lockheed. How were you able to successfully take that experience and then move it over into your own business uh you know, as you were growing bird's eye uh, aerial drones. Great. That is a great question. You know, even with my 24 years with my love of technology and flying, I'm also a man pilot with complex high performance. So I've always loved flying aircraft and not only, you know, working on them all throughout my naval career that had helped. It's just, it kind of is in line with my, with my love of technology, with aircraft in general is kind of how it went from the military with Lockheed Martin and kind of everything just lined up perfectly with my background, my skills, my expertise um, that I've learned from Lockheed Martin and the Navy that I was able to apply that and use that to start my own business. So let's talk about the the business itself. You have sort of this broad niche of services that you uh, that you have listed on your on your website what do you think how did you identify your customer when you started like what was your ideal customer when you started this business when I was in Afghanistan there was a company that I bought some of my drone parts from called aerial mob and aerial mob is one of the first aerial companies that got into cinematography in Los Angeles doing film work using drones flying the heavier bigger cameras for uh, for the movie studios and I forgot where I was going with that Josh so <laughs> it's okay you were talking about you know this this company that was doing filming uh, and sort of connecting it to what you were building Exactly. So I'm in Afghanistan, and I already had an idea that I wanted to go back and start, you know, working and get an idea what cinematography was all about. And before I left Afghanistan, I had already filed for my business license. I started my, I, I got the business going while I was still in Afghanistan. So when I came back to the states, uh, back to San Diego. 
I teamed up with Aerial Mob and got great experience with them up on movie sets in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. And, and building my own business at the same time. Now, with and then we came, we, I still work with Aerial Mob today and we go do shoots in LA. Nice. And what we, what, so back to the question about, what did I really want to do? I really want to do cinematography, and I still do. But that is an area that I pass all my clients to Aerial Mob, and yeah. I, everything else on this side, they pass this way. So it's a it's a a nice close. Sure. It's a, it's a tight community here in San Diego, the, the drone world. I would imagine it's not a huge, huge community. Like, the, you guys probably are, can fit in a, a coffee shop, I would imagine. And I bet they're all military, ex-military, Yeah, right? probably a lot of ex-military. Yes. Um, so you have a good working relationship as a partner company then, which is Correct. really good because that really, um, it extends your network of opportunities. Yeah. No, absolutely, and theirs as well. So w- when you when you're so when you're growing out this business, how do you find new customers? Then, like, what what's talk a little bit about your process and and in how you grow this business out? Absolutely. Early on in in the world of drones, uh, th- there weren't a whole lot of different verticals. It was brand new. It, 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 when I think back, you know, five years ago when we when we kind of started the the real estate was one of the biggest niches for using drones. The realtors loved being able to have the bird's eye view and being able to see the surrounding neighborhood and to see any amenities. So that was one of the first clients that we went after um, early on was the real estate market. Well, it was first the cinematography real estate and then from there on, a couple of years ago, you know, with the new technology of drones coming out at a rapid rate of speed and everything's always changing, um, they're putting, they're, they've, they've come up with this process that can map an area almost 97% faster than the individuals that they would send out on the ground. Um, if I can explain just a little bit, if uh, uh, as in surveying is what I'm referring to, yep. if you know the guys that are out there with the trimbles and the jackets and the hard hats and they're out in the environments and you know they're using their lasers and they're getting accuracy for um, for the client, and and now they're able to use a drone and being able to do that same process 97 percent faster. Yeah. So their their return on investment is huge, and it didn't really take any jobs away at all. It just sure. added. It was a tool that they could use, and that was one. And, and a few years ago, that's we identified that, and we went after that. That was another vertical. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Like, there's so many different use cases for drones nowadays, right? Like, I think we 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 stopped going past that sort of initial fascination with being able to like put something up in the air that wasn't a helicopter or an airplane and now it's like what can we do that either is based in software or you know just to change the narrative between 
you know, these things that are going up in the air and, and doing so much good on on uh, for for us. So it's really cool. I love it. Uh, we also had Drone Quote, which is another very similar. Sinui was uh, was one of the veterans right. that we talked to. Um, right. So the use cases I see are just infinite yeah. here. Right. Yeah, and I love to Good hear friend. another use case. Should we do the second yeah. break? Now? Let's do, let's do a quick break, and then we'll talk about more use cases here. We're talking to Scott Painter from Bird's Eye Aerial Drones. We'll be right back. Today's episode of the Veteran Startups is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. For instance, media relations. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Carmen and Josh sent you. And we're back. We're talking to Scott Painter for from Bird's Eye aerial drones. We were just talking about the different use cases uh, for drones. What are some of the other use cases that you've identified with your business that you've been able to add value for your customers? You know, recently there has, unfortunately, there was an individual who was lost in San Diego and he became missing. So he was missing for a couple of weeks and and uh, the two weeks after he was missing, they found some clothing articles uh, clothing out on La Jolla Beach in the ocean area. Oh, wow. And and we had the opportunity, the family um, did contact us. So that last uh, conversation that we had about using a drone and being able to uh, fly over an area and take a lot of pictures. Sure. Um, we were able to, it was like a search and rescue. That's Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine that's a really good uh, use of drones. Is is going someplace where, uh, uh, where you can't typically go with people, right? Like go down a sheer cliff on on a beach, right? Like that's probably a really good way to to utilize a drone without putting people in danger. And it looks like you're partnered to do volunteer work. Uh, talk about that, Scott. Volunteer every every year for the last four years, we've had the opportunity to do volunteer. So we volunteer, or actually, we do. Uh, we give our services and we donate our time to a nonprofit every year. But I don't think that's what your question was, Carmen. Well, in yeah, your it, yes. website, you have uh, bird's eye philanthropy. It, it yeah, it is. That is the question. Oh, okay. Yeah, so last year we had the opportunity to, to work with uh, Urban Surf for Kids. It's a great nonprofit organization that has, uh, that they have the, uh, they have, um, Urban Surf for Kids, they, they bring in teens, adolescents that are struggling, and they take them to Hawaii for a full week. Whoa. So they have a full week of all kinds of great activities lined up. I, I think I'm struggling with swimming. I need to. Uh, I think I need a week in Hawaii. We're all struggling here. 
<laughs> and you think, yes, with the volunteer work, that's what we were so excited. Oh, sure, we'll go to Hawaii with you guys for a week. And I tell you what, that was that was one of the hardest jobs that we've ever done. Um, one of the great things that I have that I'm so grateful for is that my wife of 31 years is the you know the chief operating officer. She pretty much runs everything that I don't. Nice. And what, um, what's that like? I don't mean to pr- put this on a different tangent, but I, I had to do a f- uh, company with somebody I barely knew and drove drove me insane. I don't know <laughs> if I could do do it with my wife. Like, what's that? Pro- what's that uh, like for you guys? Yeah, it definitely has its ups and downs. Sure. Um, but she has been become a great friend over the years, and we work extremely well together. You know, her weaknesses are my strengths, and, you know, her weaknesses, you know, I can build up and, and you know, tackle it head on and make it happen. So we work extremely well together. Um, she's got the creative side, and I've got the technical side. That's good. Yeah, a lot of people can say, I, I don't know. It's I, a good we, balance. It's a great yeah. balance. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can say the same thing for my wife and I. I just don't know that I could tolerate seeing her in our business and then going home. And Do you guys talk business at home, or are you guys able to separate that pretty easily? No, we do. We are constantly together working business at all times. Yeah, interesting. So are you putting a lot of hours right now? Uh, because your business is still relatively... Young, right? Uh, what year did you found your business? 2014. Oh, okay, nice. yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, and but, then, and then, how big is your team right now? Is it just you and your wife, or you, how many other folks do you guys have? Well, we have we have uh, unpaid volunteer um, uh, interns. We have paid interns. We have about four teams. Um, we are still working with. 1099 contracting out sure. to other drone pilots and their teams at this point. But we're looking, you know, we're super excited. We even were talking about it within the last couple of weeks. It was bringing on one of our interns, unpaid interns, full time. Nice. Become an employee. Yeah, and, and it looks like if you're working in Hawaii, because I see on your website this U.S. 4K Dreaming Aloha. Um, sporting events. So that's another aspect of your business then. Um, yes, that US, that US 4K was Urban Surf for Kids. Yeah. And the sporting events, yes, we have uh, yeah. we've definitely done quite a few sporting events, but with a limited amount of time, can I um, tell you one of the verticals that just came to mind that we're super excited about? Absolutely, please definitely. do. Ah, okay. So, uh, there was a, there was a company that called us up and there was 350 of their employees that were, were at a convention and they just wanted some aerial. They just wanted a group photo. Yeah. So you know, we were behind the scenes and brainstorming and Sherry and I came up, well, you know, what is your logo? What is the logo of the company? Oh, wow. So, so we, we got the logo of the company and then, we got all 350 of the employees. We bought the shirts. So there was like six different colors that were in the particular logo. And we lined them up and made their logo on the ground. And we called it the living logo. 
and such a great it idea. is incredible. Wow. That's a great idea. Yeah, I was an early employee at Twilio. I, I hope Jeff Lawson's hearing this because I think that'd be a cool employee picture. They're so huge now. I don't know if they could do it, but I was in that picture when we were just fifty. So that uh, is that's cool. So, but that's a really cool idea. I like that. Uh, and then, so how have you been able to iterate? You you got you you got this one customer to pay you for this. Living logo. How have you been able to iterate on on you know getting your next customer to to pay you? Well, I think it's all about social media marketing. Yeah, and it's one of the big things. Is uh, you know the social media is one way to get the information out there. We were able to build a website and do uh, build a website a little bit. That that also helped bring in some sure. some clients. And it's really fabulous. I'm at your website right now. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, really well done. I like the transitions. You get that little logo that loads up in the middle of the, the page. How how much are you talking about social media? How important has social media played for you in your growth of your business? I mean, yeah, the videos are amazing, by the way. You guys have really cool videos on your website. But how have you been able to leverage that successfully to be able to uh, to to be able to grow your business, well, one of the big ones is the social media was with YouTube. I mean, that's one of the things that we did. We were creating videos, so why not be able to take the video that we created, put it on a social media platform, and being able to advertise it that way? Once it's on the platform, we could now send it. Hey, uh, this is an this is a, uh, one of the areas that we're offering now. So it was easy enough to send them a link to yeah. a, a website and watch it. Nice. That's really cool. So are you working uh, with the government, uh, Scott? Do you have government contracts? Because I see, I, I see... I do not have government contracts. We are, uh, we are going after government contracts. Yeah. But with, with the drone world and everything being so new... There's so much red tape. There's there's so many policies and procedures that has to be written prior, imagine. and a lot of red tape being cut. I've right. seen a couple of your projects. I've seen that you got you have like the CPO. Uh, what was that? The CPO Pride Day aerial event photo. That was kind of cool. I liked seeing that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was really neat. That's almost like a living logo. Now that now that I think about it, you're, you're right. Yeah. We were on board the USS Midway, and there was, there was about three thousand of the chief petty officer selectees that That's were amazing. initiated. To the That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. You you just have a really good uh, this, and I and and if people haven't seen your website, just go to birdseyearialdrones.com and go to the about us page. What I think is so great about and and a lot of entrepreneurs get this wrong is really telling the story about how you can break down your services in a tangible way. So you have things like environmental and marketing and utilities and entertainment, all these things that are really easy to understand because I think a lot of, that's where a lot of companies go wrong, right? Carmen, is they, yes. their website doesn't tell the story very well. Um, what are some of the lessons that you've learned from your company? What are the things that you've struggled with in your company? Struggling in the company. Being a business owner in itself is a struggle. Sure. I like having a 40-hour work week, but <laughs> being a business owner, now you're looking at you know, 100 hours a week. Yeah, I but saw I saw I saw a really cool picture that said, "Oh, you have a job that's forty hours a week." I remember my first part time job. I mean, that's that's the quintessential. Yes. <laughs> that's what being yeah. an entrepreneur is, right? 
That's true. And I, and I think that was really much of a struggle because we look at that, that's that's a given for any company because most small businesses are usually gone out of business by this time, the, yep. you know, the first three years. So the time that we're putting into it isn't a struggle. Actually, it's a joy. Um, what has been hard? Um, I would say not having the the... the, the Equipment and the funding and the financing up front that we can give the clients their deliverables right away. Um, so one of the challenges that I had was funding because some of the early unmanned systems that we would use for, let's say, like SDG&E was a sensor called LIDAR, light detection and ranging. And they would use LIDAR. And that was a, a 250000 dollar sensor just for the sensor itself minus the aircraft the unmanned system that was another hundred thousand so flying around a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar asset um can, was a little scary Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com forward slash startup radio to sign up or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code StartupRuby. And we're back. We've been talking to Scott Painter. He's the CEO and chief pilot of Bird's Eye Aerial Drones based out of San Diego, California. We've been talking a lot about the uh, the lessons that he's learned in this process. And uh, and we're hoping to talk a little bit more about you know some of the things that, that he's gone through as a founder that have really shaped uh, the successes of this business. So, Scott, I ask this every week of every founder that we have on our program, and it's really... Uh, you. What is the one thing that you've messed up, and it's just horrible. Like you've really messed things up, and what have you done to mitigate the risk of it happening in the future? That is a great question. So we know drones in themselves are potentially dangerous, not only because you have the blades spinning sure. at ten thousand RPMs that can be you know twelve inches long, and flying them around on movie sets. You know, you're flying over talent, you're flying at close quarters. So one of the lessons learned is you've got to pay attention and keep your mind in the game all about the what what powers this particular aircraft. Just like when you're flying an airplane, is the pilot concerned about how much fuel he has on board to make it back? It's home safely. Right. And and with our unmanned systems, we have batteries on board. And the batteries um, need to be maintained and properly scrutinized. They have to be, you have to pay attention to them. Because if your aircraft is coming back home and you're running out of fuel, you're not going to make it back home. Sure. So that was one of the, the first, uh, when I had my first accident, about three and a half, four years ago, we all had accidents when we fly drones. But when you're flying a drone back and you crash it, as a 24-year naval aviator uh, in aviation land pilot, I treat that as my air. It's a real aircraft. Sure. It went down. It had people on board, and I'm devastated. Mm. It's a good way to so, look at it. Yes. 
So I have to go back and I've got to rewrite some of my checklists and maybe maybe don't extend that flight as long as possible in the operations and flight planning. Don't make the flight as long. Or um, th- those are th- that is the one thing that really comes to mind is, uh, is is the proper flight planning procedures and making sure your aircraft comes home safely. Yeah, mm, you never think of that with yeah. a drone. No, know. and I like your thinking of that because I think a lot of people just think of these drones as sort of dis- dispensable Control. entities, right? That they're just they're just me- mechanical, and and there's no real threat to people. But if you take it uh, with the perspective of these, there's real consequences, real world consequences uh, when these things go down. I think it's a great way to to sort of figure out how not to allow it to happen again, right? Absolutely. So, uh, so we have a couple minutes left. Scott, I really want to understand uh, a couple of things that sort of button all this up. And, and the one thing I would love to understand is, say, you know, you're meeting you, your, your younger self 24 years from now. What is the one thing, one lesson that you would tell yourself uh, that you've learned in your process of being in the Navy and then being an entrepreneur? Josh, can you repeat that question maybe a, just a little differently? Sure. I'm just curious what you would tell your, your younger self, what advice you would give your younger self, right? Now that you've gone through all these great experiences, what, what's the one lesson that you would impart on your younger self? You know, I'm sure, I'm sure you want to put this on the air, but I'm going to throw it out there. Anyway. I spent 24 years in the Navy, and what do we do? Hey, hey, hey. So, uh... I'm not going there. Let's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, hey, don't drink as much. Yeah, that's that's, that's good. That's yeah, that's a good that's a good advice. Because well, Scott, this has know. been this oh. has been a lot of fun. Let's. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me on birdseyearialdrinks.com. Okay, and then can people find you on LinkedIn, social network? Where Where else can people find you? Facebook. Ab- uh-uh. Absolutely, we are. All over social media, you can find us just about anywhere. And the, on LinkedIn, it's Chief Pilot. Nice. Uh, Twitter, Twitter, Bird's Eye Drones. Drones, nice. Nice. Well, Bird's Scott. Eye Aerial Drones on Facebook. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Scott, it was great to get to know you, and I really appreciate. Thank you for thank your service, you, Scott. And uh, and thank you for being here. We really had a great time getting to know you. Uh, it's so it's a fascinating company. Yeah, it's great. Great story. Great company. So thank you very much. Uh, you've been listening to the Veteran Founder Podcast. Listen to us every week at one p.m. Pacific time on Friday. Uh, listen, learn, get stuff done. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.